did you just say coral babies? Coral babies, so yeah. So wait, the You're coral are having babies? Hi, it's me. I'm Cindy Simmons, and this is See the World with Cindy Simmons. So the whole goal of this podcast is just to take you on an eye-opening journey and explore everything that SeaWorld has to offer. Because when I think of SeaWorld, and maybe you do the same, you probably think, oh, dolphins, marine life, beluga whales, theme park fun. But the main thing I feel like I've been learning through this podcast, um, it's just really how how much SeaWorld does to help with conservation and rescue efforts. So I'm kind of excited today because I have my nine-year-old daughter, Luna, with me. And we're over here at the Florida Coral Rescue Center. And we're here because the Florida Coral Rescue Center is celebrating the two-year anniversary of the first coral being rescued. So it's kind of like a party, if I might say, you know, any excuse to have a party. So (laughs) joining us today is Justin Zimmerman, who is the Florida Coral Rescue Center and SeaWorld's Aquarium Supervisor. Hi, Justin. Hi, Cindy. It's so nice to have you and Luna here. We are so excited. I might be a little giddy about what we're doing here today and getting to hang out with you and Gabby and Sarah, your whole team, because I I have to be totally honest. I know nothing about coral (laughs) at all. So I feel like that is going to have to be your job today is to tell me all of the things. Okay. Perfect. There's so much to learn, Cindy. We could really make this into a much longer podcast, but um, (laughs) I'm going to try to cut it down to what we, what we can talk about today. And, um, We'll go from there. Well, we both have coffee, so we could be here all day long. So that is totally okay. So Justin, um, give me first a little bit about your background and how you got involved with um, coral conservation and how you ended up with SeaWorld. Well, I'm a SeaWorld employee for over 22 years. I've been working at SeaWorld for 22 years. Um, I started back when coral wasn't being rescued. I started back in uh, 1999 when when we had... um, SeaWorld was actively rescuing manatees, turtles, things like birds. Um, I never thought SeaWorld would go to the point to rescue corals. And um, I think we actually had a conversation about it back in the day that eventually it would be, it would be a great thing if SeaWorld could rescue corals. Um, but yet here we are. We're here, here. You know, now we've come to the point where the corals need rescued. And the project really started back in 2014 when there was a disease called stony coral tissue loss disease. And it started spreading from around Miami-Dade County, and it started to spread north and south. And this disease killed about 90% of the corals it infected. Yeah. What is that? Um, stony coral tissue loss disease is a disease where it's a, uh, the coral starts to die from a white band. Um, that band progresses through the coral, and it can kill up to about 90% of the corals it infects. So it is uh, um, quite deadly. Um, it started in 2014, started progressing north and progressing south along the Florida Reef Tract. And that's what um, that's basically the, the the coral reef that's off the coast of Florida. Um, in 2019, AZA, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, realized that they had to do something. They realized how important uh, coral reefs were for conservation. So they decided to ask us, some other companies like uh, the Moat Marine, the Florida Aquarium, and Disney to hopefully find space so they could rescue these corals ahead of the disease line. So they wanted to take these corals from the ocean before the disease got to them because the disease was progressing so quickly. Um, uh, 2019, we searched high and low behind the scenes of SeaWorld to find a place that was suitable for so many corals. Unfortunately, I remember looking, well, I remember looking above the penguin exhibit. That's how hard we looked. We looked everywhere, high and low. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't find anybody, any place that was quite significantly large to, to house all these corals. Um, it was kind of karma at the time that one of the local ornamental farmers were, were moving their facility. They grew corals 
um, for, for home aquariums. Uh, they were moving to a larger facility and they were leaving behind this awesome facility that we moved into. So this company called Worldwide Corals moved out. We were actually able to take over their lease with all the, uh, the aquariums uh, still intact. And um, that's kind of how the FCRC, the Florida Coral Rescue Center, started um, operating. Uh, it, it actually opened um, exactly in 2000, um, 2020, um, March, uh, sorry, March 12th is when we got our first corals. So we're exactly two years to the day of, uh, of receiving our first corals at the Coral Rescue Center. Wow. Can we go back for a second? How did the coral get the disease? Um, they're really not sure. There's a lot of scientists working on that right now. They're not sure if it's a bacterial or a viral disease. Um, they're not sure exactly what causes it, but there's a definite progression. You can see the disease moving across the reef. Um, it did start around Miami and it moved north and south. Unfortunately, it's gotten all the way to uh, Key West and it's actually moved past that into the uh, dry tortugas. So it's not something that it just hops around. It, it, it progresses um, spatially over time. So it moves, it moves across the uh, reef pretty dramatically. Um, a lot of corals got affected by it. And fortunately, we were able to get these corals before they got the disease. So the corals we have in our care right now probably would not be here today if, if um, we didn't intervene. So I grew up thinking coral was a plant, but that is not what I'm learning today. Nope. Coral is actually an animal. It has some plant um, algae cells inside. Um, it, it, it has a partnership with plants called symbiosis, but coral itself is an animal. Um, that's news to a lot of people. Yeah. Um, it, can actually, <laughs> it can actually be thought of as an upside down, like an anemone that is living or an upside down jellyfish that's living on the rocks. Um, the coral we're specifically housing is called stony coral. So it builds a skeleton around itself. Um, that skeleton is what builds the reefs in Florida protects us from the uh, storm surges and hurricanes. So we're losing all of this coral here in Florida. Correct. Yeah. A lot of these species that we have in Florida, over 20 species are affected by the stony coral tissue loss disease. Um, once they get it, it's about 90% mortality. Um, yeah, it's very, it's very devastating. There are a few treatments they've, they've been working on. There's an antibiotic paste they can put on the corals, um, and it does help, but you can imagine the scope and scale of the problem. Um, sending all these divers out to, to apply paste to corals isn't right, quite feasible. So speaking of divers, how then do you get the coral that you are bringing here and rescuing and rehabbing and all of that? Well, we had a lot of help from our partners in NOAA and Fish and Wildlife, the FWC, Fish and Wildlife Commission. Um, they went out on boats and they, they went on cruises and they basically were ahead of the disease line. So we didn't want any diseased corals here being rescued. We wanted all of our corals to be healthy and safe. Um, so they went out um, and dove down to about 50 to 60 feet. They found the corals that were susceptible to the disease. They used small chisels and hammers to take them off the rocks. They recorded their location and the depth and their GPS so they can actually return the corals back to the place that they were collected from if needed. If needed, And um, they brought them to the boat, stayed on the boat for a few days, and then they were delivered via truck to the Coral Rescue Center. So all of the coral is here. Then what are you doing with the coral? And then does it go back in the ocean? Is that the end result? Yeah, the, the, the goal of the project is to get all these corals we have back into the ocean. The corals really don't belong to SeaWorld or to, to any of the partners. It really belongs to the state of Florida. It belongs to the citizens of the Flo state of Florida. So we're trying to get all these corals back in the ocean. Um, unfortunately, right now, it's not safe to put these corals back since the disease is still present. Um, we're hoping that we can reproduce these corals either through fragmentation or sexually reproduce them to have a greater number to put back. So we can actually keep the parent colonies here and act, this will kind of act as a gene bank 
um, and the coral babies can go back in the ocean. That would keep the adults safe. Um, right now, they're still having troubles with some like you know the the oceans warm. There's a lot of nutrification down there, and a lot of other uh, challenges to the corals that are that are happening. Wait, did you just say coral babies? Coral babies. So yes. wait, the We're, coral are having babies. Um, they have had babies at a lot of facilities. There is a lot of research going on right now where um, in, into the field of coral reproduction. Uh, corals can reproduce a few different ways. They have a couple of different strategies. One of those is fragmentation, which means you can take an adult coral, even though it's an animal, you can cut it just like you cut a piece of plant. Um, that could be transplanted onto a little tile, and then that tile will grow into a new coral. Um, that, could be, that could be put back in the ocean. So in really, we can put little clones of the parent corals that we took from the ocean back onto the reef. And that's one, that's one strategy. But even better, we're, we're really hoping to sexually reproduce these corals, which means we would have a male coral and a female coral um, release eggs and sperm, and they would create new genetic material. So they would, they would fertilize, the, fertilize the eggs. The eggs would develop, settle to the bottom, and we can get uh, thousands or even millions of baby corals that could be put back on the reef. It's kind of important to keep the corals diverse and have the genetics in there because um, whatever's killing these corals in the wild, we need them to have the diversity in the, in the wild to combat that. So if we put back the same corals that are clones of the moms and dads, it's really not increasing the diversity, and they'll probably be susceptible to disease where their offspring may have a better chance. So how do you know then when the coral is having babies? <laughs> oh, this is, this I have is, a million questions. I cannot stop. There's so many, there's so many questions. Um, we know the corals are going to have babies because they, are, they, they reproduce on a schedule that is um, what they do in the environment, in, in, in nature. Well, how do they know that? Well, they know because of the, the sunrise and sunset cycles and the lunar cycles. So they have their, their reproduction is timed to natural cycling. Wait a moment. So here in the facility, then they know whether it's morning, noon, or night? Yeah. So our lights are set for sunrise and sunset at the exact same time of Key West, Florida. That's where most of the corals were collected. And we also have a natural lunar cycle that that um, basically uh, simulates uh, what the natural cycle is in Key West also. So the ah. corals basically think they're living right now in Key West, Florida. Living uh, their best life in Key West. Life. Yeah, we, we <laughs> simulate everything down to the, the lighting inten intensity, um, the, the temperature of the water. All of these can be um, kept just exactly in the parameters of the, of the nature. So they, they believe it's their, the time of, of year. Corals um, that we have, a lot of them spawn once a year. Um, it's incredible that they know how to spawn at the exact same time. So corals that are spaced hundreds of miles apart, uh, meters apart, feet apart, they all spawn depending on the, the sunset and the lunar cycle. So these corals, um, w when you go in the ocean, they will spawn two to three hours after sunset, seven to eight days after the full moon in August. And all the corals of that species spawn at the exact same time. So wow. how they know this is, is um, scientists are still working on that. They're not exactly 100% sure, but um, it, it's quite incredible. It's amazing. That I feel like my mind's like, like I have a million questions. I, I could be here all day long with you. All right. So speaking of my million questions that I have, because I cannot get enough of this information. So when Luna and I were walking around with you and Gabby and Sarah around the Florida Coral Rescue Center, it looks like for all intents and purposes, they're tanks, right? Is, is that yes. what you would call yes. them? Tanks. But there were also other things in the tanks like we saw a couple of fish and then other things snails maybe what else is in the tanks with the coral 
Well, that's the maintenance crew. Those help us keep the tank clean. Um, we have four biologists here that are that work uh, diligently every day to keep the aquarium parameters and, and tanks clean. But um, yeah, they, they do a lot of work for us too. The the natural invertebrates that are found in the reef, the sea urchins, the um, the snails and hermit crabs, they keep the algae and some of the nuisance uh, nuisance uh, pests and things at at bay. So they they help us. Um, really, without them, we couldn't do what we do here. So it's do corals eat? Uh, do they have mouths and eyes and noses? Like, because you said they're animals. So in my brain, I'm thinking, all right, they have mouths and eyeballs and corals. <laughs> yes, corals definitely do eat. Um, they do. They do feed mostly at night. So at nighttime, when the lights go down, the the fish will um, also sleep. So they don't pick. They don't pick at the corals, so they they will um, the corals mostly feed at nighttime. Um, what we do is we provide the corals with like a simulated uh, planktonic diet. So we'll we'll put small little particles in the water. The flow will carry it to their tentacles. They pull the food in, kind of like an anemone would feed. Um, some of the corals we have here have larger mouths. So what we do is we put a piece of krill, um, which is actually a small shrimp, um, on a stick, and we can put that in their mouths too. So they'll they'll eat. Um, Yes, they eat, they eat quite a bit, but one of the amazing things about corals is that they're symbiotic, like I mentioned before, with algae. So um, they get a lot of their 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 energy from the sun. So these algae that live inside the coral tissue are are photosynthetic, just like algae in the wild. Um, basically, in exchange for a place to stay inside the coral tissue, the algae gives the coral energy. So um, that's why the coral has their wonderful colors. You see the the blue or the the uh, greens and the browns and stuff. That's the symbiotic algae inside the coral. They're living in exchange through symbiosis with the um, with the corals. So how many coral do you have here at any given time, would you say? We have about 700 corals um, that wow. changes day to day. We do have some babies being born every now and then, and we do have some corals that are, that are fragmenting themselves into twos. So sometimes corals will naturally just, just break or fragment. Um, so we do have some that are uh, that numbers going up. We've also sent some more corals to other facilities. This this project, the Florida Reef Tract Rescue Project, um, is a project that is spans over 21 AZA zoos and aquariums. That's the Association of Zoos and Aquariums. Um, so there's a lot of other zoos that are that are doing the same project. We are the largest, though. We have over um, about we about 30 percent of the corals, and we have, I said, around 700 corals here in the facility. And then is it my understanding that you work with Disney Conservation Fund too, right? Because I think people think, oh, theme parks, there's a competition. But I think when it comes to this, there, there's just not. Yeah, the story of the FCRC is really a story of collaboration. Um, Disney is one of our um, funders. They, they give us the money for the operating cost. SeaWorld, what they do provide, SeaWorld provides the expertise. We provide the husbandry knowledge. Um, a lot of our staff here has worked in either the ornamental is industry or working for other zoos and aquariums to take care of these corals. And these corals are very hard to take care of. They're not, it's not something that you can just step in and um, there's a lot of water chemistry. So that's SeaWorld's contribution. SeaWorld is, is, is basically the, the, the staffing for the, for the facility. Disney provides the funding. Um, AZA, the Association of Zoos and Aquariums, they really provide the, um, they're the organizer and oversight for the facility. They're the ones that put the, the project together. And then places like the FWF, the, the Fish and Wildlife Foundation of Florida, they hold the lease for the building and they um, are kind of the, the, the people we go through for paying the bills. Wow. So can you explain, because I know it's important, but I don't know if someone said, can you explain to me why it's important? I don't know that I could explain it, but that's why you're here. Why is having coral in our marine um, uh, ecosystem so important? 
Oh, there's so many reasons, Cindy. The the first reason is that corals really provide the the barrier for hurricanes, storm surges, and things like that. Um, these corals have grown um, and protected Florida for, for thousands of years. They grow off the coast. Whenever there's a lot of wave action or storm surge from just nature or from large hurricanes, um, they, they're really what protects the, the coastline, that they, they keep the coast, coastline intact. Um, they also provide millions of dollars a year um, in recreation every year for fishermen. Um, 25% of all fish in the ocean either start in a coral reef or they have some for one part of their life cycle requires a coral reef. So if we lose the coral reefs, we could lose up to 25% of the fish that are in the ocean right now. Um, like I said, it, it provides recreation for divers. Um, and th this really the state of Florida, if you dig a hole down in the state of Florida, you hit limestone. We live in an old, uh, old reef. The, the state of Florida millions of years ago was an old reef. Um, and, and you can tell by that by digging down and seeing the limestone. So if, if there are people swimming in the ocean and they come across coral, they should never touch it? Yeah, yes, you should never touch, stand on, even kick even kick um, sediment on the coral. Because it's alive. It, it is alive, and they require they require that sunlight. So if you cover the coral, break a branch of the coral, then it um, is definitely not, not good. So being here at the Florida Coral Rescue Center with my nine-year-old is pretty cool because she's learning about marine life in school. And so kind of having this hands-on experience and getting to see everything you do is so fascinating and inspiring, really, because I know just her eyes were so big and watching her through this whole experience. So I guess what what is the ultimate goal or the hope of the Florida Coral Rescue Center, Justin? So Cindy, the hope and goal of the Florida Coral Rescue Center is to produce and return as many of these baby corals that have been grown here at the Coral Rescue Center as possible back into the wild and put them on the reef um, have them grow into healthy adults and basically reestablish the the Florida reef tract. Um, there's been a lot of uh, projects through NOAA and Fish and Wildlife uh, restoration work that's done in the Keys, and we're hoping that we can contribute to that with genetic material, be it baby corals from our facility here in Orlando, to to return to the wild. So, what have you learned about the corals in your care? Um, what we've learned about the corals, uh, the first thing I want to mention is that these corals haven't been in captivity um, cared for by many facilities uh, at all in public aquariums. These corals are protected, so there hasn't been many opportunities for aquarists like me to get them into our care. So everything we're learning um, in this project is kind of new to us and new to science. There has been some facilities that have gotten these corals um, here and there, but the amount of corals we have here uh, really dwarfs any of those other uh, amounts. Um, we're learning that these corals respond pretty typically as do other corals that we have in our care at SeaWorld. So they, they do require the same feeding, the same um, nutrient levels and chemistry that the other corals require. Um, but it's real. It's been a real delight for our, for our biologists to work with, the, with such corals that are so new and so diverse. Um, and and really unavailable to a lot of people in in the hobby or the the country. Um, as as a biologist here at at SeaWorld, we um, we have a lot of a lot of background in coral husbandry. That's kind of our contribution to the project. Um, a lot of our staffing here has worked at other facilities, be it Moat Marine, the Florida Aquarium, um, either maybe aquarium pet stores caring for coral before they came here. And that's really one of the reasons we've been so successful in this project is that we we come in with that coral husbandry knowledge. Um, and that's one of the reasons we were asked to participate in the project was for our, our background. Um, SeaWorld provides all the staffing for this facility. We currently have two full-time aquarists and two part-time aquarists 
to care for these 700 corals. So um, it's really um, a, a, a large undertaking. There's a lot of work here, but uh, we, we enjoy it. We enjoy what we're doing. Um, and it really is, is paying off with the, uh, with the success of the corals that we see growing in our care. Well, speaking of your team, so how, how do you know how to do this? You, Gabby, Sarah, your team, how did you learn how to do this? How do you know how to do this? Well, it's very specialized. The, the work of aquarium husbandry, especially when it comes to coral, um, there's a ton of chemistry involved. We, we have to monitor the levels of the calcium in the aquarium, temperature, pH, alkalinity, nitrate, phosphate. I could go on and on. There's, so, there's literally so much to learn. Um, we also provide nu nutrients for the coral. Um, we all have degrees, either in uh, four-year degrees, either in marine science, biology, one of those majors. Um, and then we, we've all had, like I said, experience working outside SeaWorld uh, coming, into the, coming into the facility. So I heard a little rumor that there may be a celebration that has recently happened with an anniversary, maybe? Yes, this is our, I mentioned it, this is our two-year anniversary of getting our first coral. The coral started arriving in March of uh, 2020, and uh, this this has been our two-year anniversary. The first year we were here, we were kind of quiet because of COVID, but recently we started doing a little bit of media, and um, it's really good to have people like you come here and uh, celebrate with us and you know get the word out because coral conservation is important for everybody. It's important for the state of Florida. It's important for not just um, you know the, the, the environment, but it's important for so much more. Is there a way for just like us regular people who didn't go to school and get a biology degree to help or be involved? Well, you can always, you know, reduce, reuse, recycle. That's the, you know, the three big. We always ask people to help by, by doing those things, but um, it really goes beyond that. Now it's, it's to the point where we really need to start um, hopefully enacting legislation and talking to our elected officials because um, this problem has been growing and growing, and it's almost the same problem they're having with the manatees of extra nutrients going in the water. We really need um, some legislation, something that is going to make a big change because um, we can all put do small changes and those will help, but it's almost grown. The problem is almost grown beyond that to something that we, we, we need to um, create large legislative changes to now. So you mentioned earlier, Justin, that you have like 700 coral in here. How do you keep track? I mean, do you call them like Frank and Steve and Bonnie? I mean, do you well, give each, them names? Each coral has a name tag on the coral. So each coral is attached to a terracotta base and each base has a nameplate on it. And those nameplates have a few bits of information. They have the coral species, they have where it's collected and the coral number. Um, and those every month we report, every couple months we report the information on the health of the coral back to fish and wildlife. So these corals are highly regulated and they're protected in the ocean. Um, one of the biggest thrills we have here is that we get to take care of these corals that um, are so protected. We really don't have the, a lot, a lot of places don't have the opportunity to, to care for these corals because they are so protected. We don't, you don't see a lot of zoos and aquariums that have these. Do you have a favorite coral or a favorite I, rescue story coral? I do have a favorite coral. Mine is the, it's called the Musa angulosa and it's a coral that is, it looks basically like a giant flower. It's got a large mouth. It eats large pieces of food and it's the only species in its uh, genera. So, uh, so it's, it's genera, it's genera is Musa and it's the only species in that, in that genera. So it's kind of a unique, um, there's not many corals like it in the Caribbean and does, it looks like a big flower. There's a lot of different color morphs of it. So we have yellow ones, um, reddish, greenish ones, um, just very diverse, very charismatic. 
just we always end every podcast with asking the same question. So I'm going to ask you, what is the best thing you have seen in the world? Well, the best thing I've seen in the world and the thing I keep on thinking about when I'm working here at my job is that I had the opportunity um, many times actually to go down in the Florida Keys um, and see the coral spawning. Um, it, it happens every month or every year in August, about seven or eight days after the full moon. Um, and to see hundreds of different corals um, of the same species spawning in the exact same time and their little egg bundles floating up to the surface is is quite amazing. It's really, um, it, it kind of gives you hope for the future. It makes you think that, that uh, you know, all the work we're doing here and all the work that SeaWorld is doing and the other uh, facilities and things has, in, has a really good purpose to it. And we can hopefully repopulate these reefs and get these corals and hopefully eventually they'll do their part and, um, you know, and we can help them do that. I got to tell you, thank you so much for just letting me and my nine-year-old daughter, Luna, come and tour the Florida Coral Rescue Center because this has been such an eye-opening experience. Just learning from you and Gabby and Sarah, like my mind is just like, oh my goodness, like it wants to explode. So thank you. Thank you, Cindy. You and Luna are always welcome to come back and see us in the future. I love learning about how SeaWorld is rescuing and restoring Florida's coral. And just like I said, when I think I can't learn anymore, I seriously learn something every single episode. And this episode was no different. So I hope you learned something along with me too. I'm Cindy Simmons, and I hope you'll join us on the next See the World. As always, make sure to check out SeaWorld.com. You can select your favorite park to stay in the loop with all of the super great things happening at SeaWorld. And lastly, but of course not least, it would also mean the world to me if you subscribed, left a review, and shared this podcast with all of your wonderful friends. Thanks for tuning in, and we will see you next time.